This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's the Drilly, Lush Uno, and uh, a lot of people have been saying, bring back the L.A. heavy hitters. That's you know what I mean? Up. The real lyricists. Hey. The real MCs. The the top level creatives and uh so I had to, you know, my my old dear friend Yes sir. Mike Eagle. Well, we go back, don't we? Yeah, you feel me? Like yeah. we, we go we go back um we go we go back like the like the front seat. That's you feel right. me? Like yeah. <laughs> but Yes sir. No, it's I'm really, really it's an honor to get to chop it up with you. Um I'm gonna go on record and just say I feel like you're one of the most important artists. Mm. In the world, like, and a great representative of hip hop culture. You're like, I feel like you're a real ambassador. Well, you know? I feel that. I like that second part. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that because I do feel like I'm able to access a lot of spaces, right? That other people aren't able to go in just because you know I can code switch a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I can. <laughs> I know how to write an email real good. Like, <laughs> I can slide into a bunch of different spaces based on that. Um, in terms of my importance, man, it's like I always feel weird when people say that because I could see the potential of that, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's not often represented in what life reflects back at me. You know what I'm saying? Financially and things of that Financially, nature. status-wise, uh, you know, the conversations I'm in, the conversations I'm not in, you know what I'm saying? It's like, a, you know, I think part of this whole indie thing is that when you participate in music on the indie tip for no matter how much popularity you might want to have, you have to accept a certain amount of invisibility, mm. you know? And and it just, it, it hits you in weird ways. In some spaces you go to, uh, people really mess with you, people really know what you did and what you're up to, and other places you don't exist. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's... There's definitely not that many quote unquote indie rappers and definitely not from the scene that we come from that are traversing these waters of the spaces, you know, being listed amongst Rolling Stones, Mm -hmm. top albums of the year and billboards, you know what I mean? Like top, you know, uh, pitchfork, you know, like being on these prestigious lists, something that I've, um, I feel like you're the kind of artist that. I so 
my parents. I love my parents to death. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my dad actually, he's been, you know, the, both my parents are from New York. My mom's okay. my mom's from the Bronx. Okay. Um, my pops is from the Upper West Side. Oh yeah, you you hip hop in your blood. Oh yeah, it's in my <laughs> DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandparents are from East Harlem. Okay. Like it's literally in my DNA. Jeez. Um, my father actually was, you know, a big jazz drummer. He was a protege of Philly Joe Jones, okay. who. Uh, was Miles Davis's drummer back okay, in the day wow. and all that. So he was, you know, there wasn't too many white dudes at that time right. taking the bus all the way uptown and hanging out with these dudes until they were slumped over off of whatever right. they was doing and all right. that. But, um, and it's funny because and you'll understand why I'm giving you this background when I get to where mm-hmm. I'm going here. Mm-hmm. Um, his, um, actually his stepfather, who was the, the man that raised him, was a conductor, a classical conductor. And he would always like tell my dad like, you know what? What you do, this jazz, it, it's not music. You know what I mean? It's it's right. good, but it's not music. Right. And I had very similar dialogue to him growing up about hip hop. About hip hop. <laughs> of course. And um, what wound up, and obviously, you know, like they would see Jay Z performing at the Grammys and Kanye, and be like, okay, yeah. like this is kind of good, but right. still weren't fully embracing it. Um, and then what actually kind of pushed them over the edge and made them acknowledge hip hop was Hamilton. And uh, uh, <laughs> you see where I'm going with this I now. And um, my, my dad is one of my favorite quotes. And like, you know, I love him to death, but this I, I have to put you on blast, Pops. <laughs> he said, the thing that's great about Hamilton is it's like they took hip hop and combined it with music. Mm. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. It's mean as hell. Scandalous, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he, did, he doesn't even realize what right. he was saying is out of pocket. You know what I mean? But, um, and personally, look, I understand the level of artistry that Hamilton is, like, and it's uh, an incredible accomplishment. Shouts to, you know, Lin Manuel Manuel, and all that. I, I, I don't. I don't like it though. You know I what I mean? I've like, never seen it. Yeah. But that's part of the, you know, the whole discourse around it is like, yeah, it's this hip hop thing that a lot of people in the hip hop generation can't even afford to right to watch. Like 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 Lin Manuel. I know you as a dude that my homie Immortal Technique bullied in high school. Right. That's okay. what I know of you and right. like, which is like super <laughs> condescending of me to even. But that's literally like. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think his his you know his journey does reflect that. And I don't know much about his journey, but I know that like. Him and his people, they used to do that freestyle love supreme thing mm-hmm, in New York. Mm-hmm. And like they love hip hop in that, you know, brainy, nerdy way that like a lot of us did. Right. You know? and Absolutely. Was, and they was able to put it together with different different elements to make something like Hamilton. You know? Right. The children of organized confusion and right. things like that. Right. And like just high level, yep. you know, cerebral hip hop music. Bro, but- when he did, and this is just a quick aside, but like the reason I really I kind of do mess with him. Did you ever see when he hosted SNL? Um, I actually did not. He rapped his whole monologue, yeah, and it was incredible. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like he he, he nice. So I'm not yeah, gonna exactly. I'm not gonna go out here and exactly. say he's whack. It's just not. And I think it's beyond what he's doing, but it's statements like what my sure. dad said. It's what Hamilton means, right? Yeah. And you know, like what it what it means to these like older white people mm-hmm. and the way they they can kind of look at hip-hop overall in a really dismissive manner, but co-sign that. And see, like, I feel like you're able to kind of transcend those boundaries. Like, I wish my parents knew about Open Mike Eagle. Right. You know what I mean? Because maybe maybe I'm saying something that might translate to them a little easier than a lot of other rappers' subject matter or... Absolutely. That sort of thing. I I feel that. It's, like, really lofty subject matter. But here's the thing, like, and... (laughs) 
I know you describe, there's, there's a lot of different ways you describe your style, and you're so much more than a rapper at this point. For like, sure. You're way more than a rapper. You're just like, but as an MC, you know, you talk about art rap. Mm -hmm. um, what, what defines art rap? What's the difference Ooh. between art rap and not? It's so crazy, man, because I don't like, I don't say that no more. Um, but when I started saying it, and this was when my first album came out in 2010, like I was like, I'm about to go hard with this phrase. Ain't you no know? luncheon like an art rap luncheon because yeah. an art rap luncheon so smart. <laughs> yeah, art rap party. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was, so it was like, there's two things happening at that time. And I think it's really important that this phrase comes out of that time. Like, just 2009, 2010, like mainstream rap, rap was just hella boring at that time. Mm -hmm. man. It was just like the most, you know, homogenized, like, you know, everything was club music. Um, some of the street stuff was good, but nothing was really like exciting. Um, 2009, 2010, like to me, that's like, um, like Wiz Khalifa and Currency yeah. were kind of mm -hmm. coming up. They weren't quite mainstream right. yet. Kendrick and them were coming up, and J. Cole. But exactly. They it was like the people who would come and make it interesting was bubbling, but right. there wasn't like... Blue and Exile, I exactly. think, dropped that year. Exactly, like, exactly. Um, you know, there was a lot of one-hit wonders around that time. Like, you know, um, everybody was kind of following, like, the Rick Ross. It was uh, a lot of, yeah. Yeah, Jay, no. Jay was kind of in that in-between space. Uh, it was like, man, like, Holy Grail around I was going to say, like, like, Kingdom Come era yeah, and all like, that. Like yeah, he didn't, like, he didn't kind of know what kind of statement to make. And this was right before Kanye really, really, like, hit and and made it arty, artsy. Right. Like, like really, like, this is right before uh, My, Twisted Fantasy. Exactly, which was, I think, 2011. Right, I mean, yeah. right. And so that kind of put a whole different focus and opened up, like, this thing that Lil Wayne was playing with because he was at the top, right? Yep. But he was really embracing his own weirdness mm -hmm. in a way that was very singular to him, but that started to open the space up too. When he started like skateboarding, when he started calling himself an alien, like, oh, things were at this point where they were just starting to open up and you could be something other than what the traditional uh, club rapper was thought of then. But for the most part at that moment, it was a lot of sameness. And so that was one thing that was happening. And then where I was and what I was paying attention to was stuff like Shabazz Palaces, mm -hmm. stuff like Danny Brown, uh, Serengeti. Um, there was this new wave of, like, underground people doing really interesting shit and, like... And it's funny because Shabazz Palace has been around for so long. Exactly, like, yeah. exactly, yeah. Shout out, shout out to my man Ishmael, yeah, from... from Diggable, Diggable planets to cherry wine to Shabbat. He's always kept it weird. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, even after the Grammys and all that. But I'm looking at what's happening in the underground. And I'm, I want to contextualize myself with that stuff. Mm. And I was thinking about, I remember I was driving to Vegas. And it was one, you know, a long kind of, you know, four or five hour drive. And you're just kind of driving, thinking. And I was thinking about like rock music got all these subcategories right you can be bluegrass you can be punk you can be electronic you can be all progressive you can be all these different things alternative heavy metal rap is just rap mm. you know and i'm like damn they got an art rock and you know when you hear something called art rock you come into it with different expectations do you consider art rock like prog rock kind of like i think it's kind of like prog i think about stuff like stereo lab okay or, 
uh, broadcast. A lot like, of European stuff. Yeah, some European stuff, yeah. But just like, you know, you, you some people even might call like Radiohead art rock. Right, you know which I saying? and it's funny because I always called it Britpop, but they mm -hmm. like evolved past that. Right, right, because it's not just like simple, um, you know, easily palatable yeah. mainstream chord progressions. It's like they they get kind of weird, you know. Very, and, especially starting with Kid A, then right. you got exactly. a sharp left turn. Exactly. So, I wanted a space made psychologically in rap for people to be weird, mm. do cool stuff, to to have a to have a phrase associated with us so when you came when like like my dream was to have like a a section in a record store like Amoeba mm. where it's just the art rap section right. and you thumbing through that knowing that you're coming to that expecting to hear something different than what you might be hearing on the mainstream but since that time the mainstream got weird it did you know well I, I, and I I'm it's interesting you brought that up cuz to me when the mainstream got weird is Atlanta Mm. You know what I mean? Is uh, when all, all the Atlanta trap rappers started blowing it. I, I'm talking about like post GZ and TI. I'm talking like about thug. Young Thug, yeah. you know, Pee Wee Longway, mm -hmm. th that whole, even a little bit later, Playboy Cardi. And to me, and I, I'm really interested to get your take on this. Um, well, to me, that that that's the wave that started with Wayne embracing absolutely. his weirdness. I think he made it where Thug could be weird and Cardi could be weird and um, uh, Uzi Vert. Yeah. You know, I think he like Wayne, I think, really doesn't get the credit for because when he was doing that, when he was top of the mainstream, like there was no reason to think that that would work. There was no reason to think that that would open up this whole lane of self-expression for people getting million dollar contracts and having the most, you know, mass appeal potential in the world. But, you know, can can rock a nice, elegant dress on the cover. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> literally in a skirt. Like, I really skirt. I really think. I can point a lot of that back to him, and I think there's a there's a a, a multiplying factor. There's what Wayne was doing, there's what Kanye was doing. Uh, you know, Drake to a certain extent. I wouldn't call it what he was doing weird, but I think he opened up a vulnerability lane. Mm -hmm. um, they just made it where when you get to that level, nobody's expecting you to do the same old thing. You can do the same old thing if you want to, but right. if you're not, ain't nobody mad at that no more. And that's all I ever really wanted for the genre was for people's expectations to not be so narrow. And I feel like we're here now. I feel like, man, and, and I think this 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 year's album releases really kind of put it on display where like even the mainstream rappers know they no longer have to compete with each other. No. Kendrick don't have to make the same album as Drake. He don't have to make the same album as J. Cole. Um, you know, like you can you you as a as a mainstream artist, even though there's a whole floor in a building full of office workers who literally depend on your album selling what mm -hmm. it's supposed to sell for them mm -hmm. to stay employed, even though it's still that much pressure. That pressure doesn't result in you having to do a cookie cutter thing. One thousand yeah. percent. Now you. um Obviously, you know, I know your organs or your origins go back to Chicago, but and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but, you know, when you moved to L.A., you were a part of the project yeah. Blood Collective and which I want to de delve into a little bit more of as well. But one thing that I've always found is to me what rappers like Young Thug and even Migos when they first came out and um, and Pee Wee Longway and all those ATL guys. Mm -hmm. To me, it was 
pretty much the same thing as Project Load, mm. except for instead of talking about, you know, incense esque <laughs> topics and you know <laughs> and more, more exploring more esoteric themes right. they're talking about dope dealing gang banging and designer shit. yeah but, but it's the yeah. same like they're flipping styles with the same dexterity right. as what you guys were doing do you feel like there's truth to that i do i just talked to riddler from cve recently i had him on my podcast and, and that's one of the questions i was asking him it's like because a lot of what they're doing you know i really think CVE and crews like that around LA, um, hip hop clan, like right. they were doing that. You know, they still do that. Right. But it's just like the way that I think the main difference is this. In places like Atlanta, in places like Minneapolis, and even starting now, like now at this point in places like Chicago, those cities really mess with their local artists. For sure. You know, and there's real there's a real investment from people to like boost up mm -hmm. their local rap heroes. LA never cared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> LA ain't never cared. LA like LA needs you to go get famous everywhere. Somewhere else. else. And then for Dr. Dre to come pluck you up. You know what I'm saying? Or else like, you know, no, they, 1, don't, they don't really so, you know, so you have you've had people who have been incubating those styles, like you said, um, forever and just not gotten the credit for it. And I think sometimes that's a little tragic to me, you know what I'm saying? Cause like, I just, I wish, I wish that people, um, I guess just dug under the surface a little bit more. Cause mm. I, I, I bet everybody who loved Migos would love hip hop clan, would love CBE. Right, you know? right, 1000%, mm. especially. And, and it's funny you made that uh, statement about LA because a lot of people, think I'm from the Bay Area mm -hmm. because when they first met me, that's like when I kind of rose to prominence in hip hop, not prominence. That, I know what you, I know what yeah, you, you yeah. know what I mean? Like notoriety, yeah. whatever type of notoriety I have right. as minimal as it may be like, but that was stemmed from the Bay Area, which, which we yeah, if I'm listing places where they support, they own the Bay is probably the high top on place. the list, it's probably the top place. Yeah, yeah. Even in Atlanta, like even in Atlanta, they support their own. But part of the reason that happens is that the people who like, you know, uh, they fund certain mm -hmm. artists down there. They pay the money that they have to pay to get it on Atlanta radio. Right. So they get people into it early. Or the you strip clubs, however they break records. Exactly. Out there. Like, yeah. but like they they participate in that ecosystem, so they blow up music locally first. Uh, but it is a large ecosystem that you do got to pay to get into. Where like the Bay, it ain't about that. No. It's like they'll just check for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know and, what I'm and, saying. And, yeah, and you know, obviously, that's like the the mecca of the independent mm -hmm. market. Right. Another place that's really similar, I would say, like Houston and Memphis. They're all kind of on that tip as well. Right. But that was a. It's funny that I didn't really start getting recognized by L.A., my until, town where I grew up in, until, until yep. the Bay started jacking me like that. Yep. And it was a. It's kind of weird how that works. Now, um, recently, I, I don't know if you know this, but Almighty Suspect, one of my fellow yeah, podcasters I, yeah, over I, here. I was trip. I texted. I texted cool yeah. when I saw that. I'm like, wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> so you, so you, you were. I mean, we all knew him since he was a little ass kid. Yeah, I don't, I don't know dad. if I ever actually met him. I probably have. Right. Um, but I've been knowing about his music for a minute. Um, uh, all City Jimmy, you know, no yep, can do it. My was brother put me on his music like five, six years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny because you could, as as stylistically different as it is, you yep, could you hear, hear a little bit of the blowed. Definitely hear his pops in there. Yes, uh, Rifleman, L.A. Cool. Now, recently, uh, a few days ago, we were having a discussion 
on one of the news segments we do. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a back, we were, it was stemmed from, as a rare occasion where on No Jumper we're discussing battle rap. So mm-hmm. obviously I'm real excited. Because <laughs> this does is, that not happen a lot? Not too often. Gotcha. Gotcha. It, it, it does to an extent, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this isn't necessarily, it's a much younger crowd. They're not really they're super not focused on. Yeah, there, there definitely are exceptions of the rule. But, sure. um, but there is a, a debate kind of ensued going back and forth between Almighty and uh, the homie AD, okay. really dope uh, rapper from Compton, one of the main podcasters over here too. Okay. And he basically, he had never, and AD's in his early 30s and has been rapping in LA for a long ass time, yeah. like outside, outside. Yeah. Everybody knows AD. He had never heard of Project Blow. Yeah, I believe it. And um, it's crazy because then I was like, bro, have you never heard Pistol Grip Pump on my lap at all times? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Good like, life. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, th- th- that's like the lineage right there. But mm-hmm. is it kind of interesting to you? Like, why do you feel like the I, the influence of the bloat is still prevalent? But why do you feel like a lot of this generation isn't really tuned into it like because that? Because I think, honestly, if you really look at the bloat, like the bloat stopped happening around like 2013, 14, like mm-hmm. really week to week like when i got here like and i moved here permanently in 04 it was still going week to week right and we kept it going i i really want to say another 10 solid years but then you know there was an incident that happened in the blow um where ben caldwell who who know who, who that's his spot shout to the shout og triple triple quadruple shout out to ben caldwell the man when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, something happened in there, uh, cause it, you know, I think the thing that people don't really understand about the blow, cause like you said, it's got the incense, it's got the dashikis, you know what I'm saying? Like you got people in there, uh, grooving, dancing and all that. But the blow is in the middle of like two, three different hoods. That's in the 40s hood right yeah. there. It's like on the edge of a couple yeah. things. It's a real active area. And Absolutely. And people who are a part of the blow, who grew up in L.A., even if they wasn't banging, that's a part of their life. For sure. You know, so like occasionally street stuff will bubble up in there. Whenever mm-hmm. that happened, Ben would shut it down for a while. But like that last incident that happened, he just really like, you know, put a pause on it for a while. I still think there's room for it to maybe come back. Like it's it's been so long and everything's kind of blown over and, you know, but it, it, it was getting to that point where, and it, it gets to that point sometimes where street stuff bubbles up in there and it, and it, like a lot of times the blow has like a temple feel where you don't disrespect it. Right. But then, you know, certain incidents just you know, people lose their minds and then stuff happens and, and and it gets really real in there. But to answer your question, I think if it was still a week to week thing that people could really still go to and sign the list and get on and rhyme, I feel like the 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 connection would be more immediate for people. Mm. You know, now I feel like it's more of a legacy thing. It's more like, yeah, we still get together. We had the anniversary. Um, if you look at what Verbs is doing with Bananas. That's what I was going to say. Like, there are still, which to me is the closest thing to the, the spirit thing. of the It's in the, the same room. Um, shout it's out to monthly Verbs. instead of weekly. Super huge shout out to Verbs. Um, 
you know, uh, it's, it's definitely carrying on the spirit. But Bananas is a different thing of its own, too. Like, you still got people, you still got super sharp MCs that come in mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, it's people performing, it's people rapping outside. Um, but it doesn't carry this, it doesn't carry the name Project Blow. So people don't right. necessarily know that that's part of the lineage. And I think that's, like, now it's at the point where you got to know somebody from the Blow to know about the Blow. Mm. Because it's not a thing that's still happening. You know, it's so strange, too, mm -hmm. because to me, it's still like and it's just because of the way my brain has been wired since the 90s right. when I was a, a youngster in high school going over there and all that. Like it's that's synonymous, you know, right. like 43rd and you know what yep. I mean? Like that's that's literally there's no other way to refer to that as than as the blowed. But um, no, it's a, it, it's definitely a new era. And I feel like that's something that's drastically missing. And now, I do too. you know, but, but the thing that always trips me out. Or, or and I learn about these things because I don't know about AD, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But for him to be outside and mm -hmm. haven't been rapping, I probably you say he's thirty. He's probably been rapping in LA 10, 15 years. Oh yeah, for you know? sure he has. That means he's been rapping someplace I don't know about. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's right. the thing is like there's different pockets of scenes. As LA is so big and like, you know, different things happen in different hoods, and it's just like, damn, I don't know. You know what I'm now, saying? Now, to be fair, he is from Compton. Right. And Compton is kind of its own it world. Is. It's his it own is. planet. But I don't know, like, where do people perform in Compton? Where do right. people go to get heard in Compton? Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, like, look, your moniker, Open Mic, yeah, yeah. Eagle, <laughs> you come from the Open Mic right. scene going right. back to Chi-Town. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then and there used to be all kinds of Open Mics yeah. all over the place. I feel like that's pretty much an antiquated concept at this point. And that's, but, but that is so maddening to me is confusing to me because like with all of the music that's being made right now like we've never been able to make music easier mm -hmm. you would think that more than ever we would need places to come perform songs one would assume you know so it's like it, it's so wild that like yeah this consumer technology is at an all-time high but the places that we have to perform is at an all-time low. Like, how does that work? I feel like the demand should be higher than ever. Well, and I th like you would think, but I, and I think that's kind of as a result of back in the day. I don't know about you, but if I wanted to find other MCs to collab with, if I wanted to find to producers go, to work yeah. with, we had to go outside. Right. You know what I mean? We right. we didn't we didn't have the liberty of social media, and we didn't have you know prosumer quality audio gear that, or even recording on our damn iPhones and right. shit. You know what I mean? Like, I it's, think you make a great point. So, because what you're speaking to right now is that you don't need it as much for the networking now, because mm -hmm. you can do all that online. Right. But. Yeah, I guess. In fact, I could do a song with someone from Germany right. tonight. Right. Yeah. I mean, that. yeah. I just, I think just as an MC, and, and I think this goes along with the fact, too, that like a lot of cats, they'll do shows right now and they're rapping over their own lyrics. They don't really know their own songs a lot right. of time. And I know that there's a whole different way to engage with performance where that doesn't really matter so much. But if you look at like the verses with the locks and dip set like oh there is something to being an mc right. and like knowing how to do that and i think that's kind of what's getting lost absolutely absolutely and it, it's it's people will say that MCing isn't necessary or it's antiquated until it is yeah i mean until, I, think, I think it's i think you know i've seen i've seen a drake concert mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like i've seen i never seen a jay-z concert live but i've seen him perform on video like he rap his ass off you know what i'm he's saying he's rapping the whole time wayne ross cole like ain't none of these people half-assing it on stage no. 
You know, no. like everybody's even you know even lyrics Drake didn't write. Yeah, he tried to perform the shit out of them. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's not rapping over the reference. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I think you know, and I'm sure that in 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 everybody's journey, they you know somebody drills that down into them and they rehearse and they get it. But like, I just think it's an important component to all rappers. It's an important thing for you to be able to like control a stage, mm-hmm. hold a stage down, get your words across, deliver them to people. You know what I'm saying? 1,000%. Breath, like breath control, live, all of that. Having to learn, and, and you know what I've seen, it, and I've seen it for several years, is the one of the greatest disservice to up-and-coming artists when they start buzzing. If they have like a record that's resonating and going viral mm-hmm. or is a hit record, the powers that be... Or who you know, whoever they're signed to is going to thrust them onto a national stage, yeah. have them doing tours, yep. have them performing at the Rolling Louds Rolling and, the, Loud, and yeah. all that shit. And these people are not seasoned performers, and then they wind up playing themselves out. Right. Super, super tough. Like an example recently is uh, is Ice Spice. I've seen that happen to her, and um, you know she's. What's funny is she's actually not whack. Yeah, she's but, really interesting. Yeah, like I, I like I've. I've only heard a couple of songs, and I'm like, oh, there's something happening there's here, and something, I haven't dug there, deep. There is. There, yeah. there definitely is. It's more, but you, but the way she's being marketed and the way she's being just kind of forced, thrust, out there. thrust on a national stage before she has a handle on her creative process, then you see her struggling to find the beat. Right. You see her, you know, not being, uh, having her head wrapped around her cadences and things like that. And then trained like that. Yeah. And you can, you know, and like, and again, it's back to the consumer technology thing when you can have, so many reps in the studio now. Uh huh. And have no reps on stage. Right. That's rough. Yeah. All the punch ins and all that. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you can write a you can write a song and record a song that there's literally no way for you to perform on stage because you didn't leave yourself any room to breathe. Right. You know what I'm and, saying? Which is kind of like to me, I'm all about pushing boundaries forward. So mm-hmm. it's something different. You know I what mean, I mean? I mean I I'm I have I don't I can't it's it's a hard it's hard for me to get into that style where like they punch every line in and I see the energy of it like my son rocks with that stuff. Right. And I see the energy of it. I see that it is new and different. But like just as a trained rapper all I can think about is damn you playing yourself cuz you're not going to be able to do this. Right. Like you can't you you you've literally not left a moment for you to have a sip of oxygen. Like, there's no way you're going to be able to get through this verse. And then you also come from the school of uh, rappers like Micah Nine, who didn't have a a millisecond of oxygen in his damn self. But guess what? He can replicate that live to a T flawlessly. It's, I mean... I'm not really sure if he's a regular human being. Like, he's a super, super human. He was born to MC, and you add that with his jazz proclivities yeah. and like he's more of a jazz instrumentalist as a rapper than 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 he is just like a normal you know like he's it, like it a is, trumpet yeah it's 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 it, and it's like an alien playing trumpet like yeah, it's a yeah. whole nother thing that's happening with him you know and you, like the breath control we're talking about is from like his understanding of jazz and yeah like taking that deep breath in the beginning and just metering out the oxygen at uh, the the co2 as necessary to you know what i'm saying and the circular breathing he can do that too where like he can be exhaling and inhaling at the same time yeah it's you know what i'm saying like he's like playing the didgeridoo yeah essentially when he raps it's, it's nuts you know like you know having you having a background being from chicago mm-hmm. and then cutting your teeth in la as well it's like it's interesting on so many levels now 
LA has a lot of different styles, like you said. You know, like totally. that's why someone like AD has a, a fruitful, successful rap career, but never heard of the Blowed, and right. then and, then and then you come from there, and yeah. you know, like it's it's really interesting. But you know, there's a, multiple different gangster rap scenes yep. in LA. There's a whole hipster rap scene. There's traditional um backpacker um in the in the line of you know like the sick jackins right. and the you know what right. i mean cycle realm and then even the whole people under the stairs contingent oh, right. and dilated yeah. and and all that there's all these different scenes and then there's like the hyper lyrical double time cadence project blowed mm -hmm. stuff and to me it was always interesting that you know chicago's similar too you got the whole yep. Chicago, you have the whole hipster um, Lupe fiasco, um, you know, very Chance the Rapper, Vic, yeah. Vic Mensa movement. You have the whole, um, obviously, drill music, yep. you know what I mean? And then you have the Logan Square cypher scene mm -hmm. and then like a kind of a more, um, for lack of a better word, like black version of that, which is in the South Side, yep. kind of evolving from Common and, you yep, know, No high, ID. High Park and South Shore. A hundred percent. And then, of course, you got like, the West Chicago yep. snipers. Mm -hmm. That's what they call it, sniping. The same way we call it chopping yep. in L.A. The double time cadence. And going back to crucial conflict, psychodrama, yep. all of that. Yep. Speed, speed yeah. not mobsters. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about, like, why are these styles prevalent in L.A.? What is it about the double time style that makes it popular in L.A. and Chicago. Now, the yeah. only other places I feel like that really were the origins of that style. Mm -hmm. You could obviously look to like certain rappers from New York from back in the day flipping it. But to me, it was Memphis, the Bay Area, L.A., and Chicago. And really, like, I want to say Chicago and L.A. are like the epicenters of that style. I think I think you 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 nailed it. Um, and and honestly, I can't I can't I can't say I understand why the West Side of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And South LA came up with the same rap style like that. Like I think about that a lot. And and you talk to the OGs, like you talk to LA Cool, like he talks about it too. How you know what I'm saying? Like they just there's a certain kinship. And honestly, I don't I don't even know how. I don't even know how. Like I, it doesn't even make sense. You know right. what I'm saying? That like the good life in the early '90s and and in the streets of the West Side, like people would ended up rapping the same. And you know. I, does it have anything to do with you think? I mean, the west side of Chicago is way more, quote unquote, country than the south side, 100%, right? 100%. And that, that's kind of like a more country bounce. You know, I I I, I think that makes sense. Or am I but, reaching too much? But I, I, I'd say that what I would associate more country is more of a like a laid back kind of style. Or, right. Or, but it, or even when it comes to chopping the way Peace used to chop. Mm -hmm. Like... He chopped with a twang, and you know what I'm saying, like, and it, and it was more like that was more of a country kind of sound. Right. Where I felt like the the you know the West Side chop of a I mean of a Twister and the chop of a L.A. Cool, like it's just it's just it strikes as, as much more of a city style, like a hood style, like you know. Um, but I think West the West Side of Chicago, like you were saying, how there's a bunch of different gangster styles in L.A. Absolutely, it's a bunch of different gangster styles in the West Side of Chicago too. Like if you look at like the Brat. You know what I'm saying? Yep. How like her style was more like Snoop's than it was right. like Commons. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always been this part of the West Side of Chicago that felt like the West Side of the country. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And when Absolutely. it was East versus West, like it was like a little mini East versus West inside of Chicago because like the South Side of Chicago took a lot of cues from New York. 
You know what I'm saying? Well, and then Common literally was beefing with Ice Cube exactly, and shit. Like, exactly. But there was people in Chicago who was riding more with Cube than they was with Common. You right. know what I'm saying? Because there was this, always this stylistic tension in Chicago. And I know a lot of it was fueled by the fact that, like, and I, I know I'm super guilty of this, and I had to really check myself when I moved here. Um, In my scene I came up in, which was the, you know, book reading, punchline, you know, four elements, um, you know, breakdance and DJ graffiti style on the south side of Chicago. We looked down on that on chopping. Right. We looked down on double timing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like we 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 was condescending about it. We thought that was some stupid shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? But I, I think what we were really commenting on or trying to comment on was the fact that like a lot of them was saying the same kind of shit. Or not saying anything necessarily. Exactly. Exactly. But like there's no denying it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. There's no denying it's impressive. There's no denying the energy that comes from it. You know what I'm saying? I used to battle cast, like, especially when I was in college. Like, I used to kill people in battles because I was the punchline king. I right. could size you up real quick and think of six good ones and end you. Right. But if somebody was coming back, like, they'd have the crowd going, I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't nothing I can do. Hated like, that shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, but when I'm, it wasn't really until I moved to LA and saw the chopping lineage of LA and saw how like, oh, they look at styling artistically. So like, there's never a style that's more valued than another style. It's really about like, how many styles can you master? Mm. I was like, oh, okay. I, I was thinking about this wrong, you know? But then on top of that, a lot of the the LA like blow dudes, and it's crazy because there's certain rap styles that you literally have to go deep in the hoods mm-hmm. of Los Angeles to ever hear. They mm-hmm. don't exist anywhere else in the world, but they're very commonplace out here. You know what I mean? It's kind of interesting, especially back then in the '90s, early oh, yeah. 2000s. Oh like, yeah, you know it's changed a little bit. Oh now, yeah, it but was a petri dish. Yeah, yeah. You know there's so like... much, but these dudes, they were flipping those cadences, but. St- Compacting them so much with polysyllabic rhyme yep. schemes, yep. with punchlines, yep. with wordplay, with metaphor, and like, with like knowledge. With knowledge, you know what I'm saying. Even if they didn't always, even always know what they was talking about, yeah, they was reading books and putting that in these double time chop styles. And, and some of them was doing hood shit too. But like, you know, I, I think that's what really opened me up to it when I saw, oh, it's really. That's just another tool, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And you can be expressing whatever you want to express, but, like, that's a different tool. And it's not like any one of these tools is better than any other. And, like, I really got impressed and intimidated by how intricate the chop is. Right. You know what I'm saying? And how, like, there's so many different styles of it. Like, you know, Gaja, who just passed away this year. R.I.P. the homie. Rest in peace. Like, his shit was so precise. Like, just <laughs> swinging blades, like... Cool's chop is always a little sloppy. Right. You know what I'm saying? But that's right. part of the energy of it. It's like his whole shit. It's like, got swing to it. Yeah. And it's like it, it, every time you hear him rhyming, even if it's in the studio, it sounds like a live show. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Where it's like his his energy is pushing himself sometimes ahead of the beat, behind the beat. You know what I'm saying? And, it's, and then you get his, his son, you yep. know what I'm saying, who's pushing ahead of the beat too. Like, right. It's, 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 it's so fascinating when you start digging in and understanding the math and the feeling and how all of it comes together to make this magic, you know? 1,000%. And also, you know, so, like, if you really analyze a lot of, 
just for example, Twister, mm-hmm. he was very, he wasn't just saying a bunch of bullshit yeah. up there. Like he, he was a lot of polysyllabic. Yeah, things. exactly. Uh, Fitch lives in a critical eyes. Yeah, individual died. Like, nutty, like yeah. buddy love, but still wouldn't leave a bloody, bloody glove. glove. Like, yep. what? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, he yeah. was crazy with it. Yeah. He was crazy with it, man. Still no. is, you know what I'm saying? No, 1,000%. Yeah. Um, now, growing up in Chicago, and um, I know like you grew up near the projects and all that, um, was it kind of weird after you left and moved to LA just to see like the whole emergence of the the drill music scene? Like I don't, I haven't really seen you talk about that too much before. You know, because a lot of that happened after I left. No, I yeah, and, absolutely. And, and I think like I had to. It wasn't even just the emergence of the drill scene that baffled me. Even the emergence of like Chance in them, right? Like, you know, Chance and, and shout out to Saba and shout out to No Name, like. I feel that like Lu- Lupe blew up right after you left, damn it, because you said 2004 but, you moved to right. L.A.? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, because that's when he's on, uh, what is it, graduation? Or, no, yeah, late yeah. registration. Yeah, late yeah, registration. yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch the sky and all yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, who is this dude, right? Um, because that wasn't from any scene I recognized, but my scene was very underground, cypher, like that scene, and, yeah. and it wasn't a bunch of people coming up out of there. So that was the scene that I was still connected to. So all the rest of the stuff going on in the city, I wasn't really aware of at mm-hmm. all. And I was out here seeing stuff bubble up. I mean, the big thing for me was that, like, the fact that Chicago was starting to have rap stars at all. Yeah. Because my entire uh, growing up, coming of age in Chicago, everybody knew if you wanted to get on as a rapper, you had to leave. Right. You had to leave. You had to go to L.A. You had to go to New York. You had to go find where there was music business because there was no music business. Mm-hmm. Like, the first thing I ended up hearing about was chocolate industry. So that was, like, the cool kids. Yep. And I was like, That oh, was a whole wave, snap, too. That was right? a whole wave, like, too. So Chicago's got some music business now? That's crazy. And then once there, there started to be a little bit of a business foothold, then... Chicago started to be one of them places where the people started supporting their own a little bit more. Well, and it's just crazy how influential. Like even like the, I feel like the cool kids literally changed. They did music. It, oh 1, my 000, god! Like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the beats, the, like yeah, absolutely. The aesthetic, mm-hmm. the beats, just that whole the energy, thing, all of it. They yeah. set that off way before L.A. did. Yep. You know what I mean? And in the, to the same degree, like Kanye and Lupe and these, you know, Chance. These are such like seminal yep. influential acts and then i'll say the same thing about chief keef but see and that's where i was getting to so my understanding of drill starts with chief keef and it starts with me seeing videos of chief keef fans reacting to his music reacting mm-hmm. to when he dropped something and like seeing how connected people was feeling to this music he was putting out then i would listen to it and be like oh I don't necessarily get it off top. <laughs> this like, is dark. Yeah, it's dark. I do feel the energy, but it's like, damn, this is really affecting people. And then I started to understand what was happening in Inglewood in Chicago more and how just of a chaotic kind of like life it was becoming to, to live there. And then I started to understand, because this is again after I left and I grew up by the projects, then just to understand what happened after the projects got knocked down. Mm. And because them projects, as crazy as it could be to live there, to be around them, there were these closed ecosystems. Right. Where like, yeah, it was gangbanging, but it was all very like regimented, sectioned off, understood. It was this building, it was that building, it was this building. And you didn't really like 
cross up too much, you know, unless it was for a very particular reason. Right. So when they knocked them buildings down, they put people anywhere. Anywhere. Like the Cabrini's and all that. And Cabrini, yeah. Yeah, Cabrini Robert Green Taylor. got knocked down. Robert Taylor's got prairie courts. Like all like there was no thought to if you were putting people from different gangs by each other. There was no thought to the chaos that was gonna unleash around the city. And I think Inglewood ended up being the place that like caught all that hell. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so like the the reality that comes when suddenly your neighborhood is filled with people who set wise fucking hate each other. Uh, Another thing I'm to understand from that, not being there, but just from understanding people telling me about it. A lot of the captains, a lot of the older heads was dead and locked up around that time too. So the young cats that was, that didn't know nothing but they set and nothing but getting money and nothing but protecting their turf and launching off at enemies. They all just in the streets. No guidance. No guidance. Doing whatever. And I think a lot of that contributes to that that Englewood environment. And, you know, I when I, when I started to understand that, it made me understand drill. You know, even if it's not like the music I go to, it made me understand it. Did it was it kind of um I could understand it being a lot of mixed emotions. From okay, there's a lot of young dudes from my neighborhood that are now able to move their families out the hood, Mm -hmm. making a lot of money, rising to prominence, giving a lot of hope to other young people that, hey, you could um, overcome these circumstances Mm -hmm. and rise above. It's kind of like, okay, this is showing them a template, but at the same time, it's perpetuating a lot of negativity and there's... The, we see the murder rate skyrocketing and it's kind of just putting this putting on blast what's kind of because Chicago's always been a rough place right but yeah, but it, I think I think it did it spiked I think after I really think it had so much to do with them projects like even if just the Robert Taylors man there was 30,000 people living in the buildings that's fucking crazy 30,000 yeah it was like 16 buildings with like 15 floors each you that's know what insane. I'm saying like they put them people everywhere there's there's like 20% of people that they had registered that they don't even know what happened to them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, I really think that that changing of the, the city's, you know, the, the, the poverty elements of the city, I really think that it had an effect on like, you know, stuff like the murder rate, stuff like the crime rate, you know? Do you feel like drill music perpetuated that as well? <sighs> I know it's a lofty question. I mean, I'm I, I think that every style of music perpetuates the lifestyle of the people that made it to some degree, right? And rap has always been a kind of music where you usually you kind of talk about what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. So like I don't I don't put that more on them than I put it on any other genre. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, I just what rap is is you kind of report on the world outside your window. So like why would I expect Drill to do anything but that? You know, um, do I think it's bleak? Hell yeah, I think it's bleak. And and I wish things weren't like that. But I don't think that the I don't think that the music is the problem. I mm. think the music is a symptom. Right. You know what I'm saying? And if shit got better, I bet maybe that music wouldn't resonate with people so much. And I always felt that that's, you know, the quintessential argument about gangster rap mm-hmm. and uh, what was going on in L.A. Is is this kind of perpetuating it or is this just are these the street reporters kind of being yeah. a reflection of their environments? And so you coming from out there, moving to L.A., these are the two 
most gangster cities in the country. You know what I mean? I mean, not to say that there's... <laughs> I mean, because I'm just thinking, damn, what Houston got to say about that? No, no, no. But, right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, saying? yeah, there's Memphis, there's Baltimore, there's yeah. Detroit. Hell like, yeah. Hell yeah. But I mean, like, they're kind of... The reason why I say that is they're kind of like the two original strains mm. of the type of gang banging and of the big gangs, the Bloods right. and the Crips, the GDs and the folks. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all that shit being in Chicago, and then was it kind of a, was that an interesting transition? Like, okay, you come from a place where there's all these gang banging politics, and you have to watch how you wear mm -hmm. your hat and all that. You know what I mean? Like, and then you come to. LA where at that time there's still really active color banging now it's more about what kind of hat you're wearing mm -hmm. or other things that I mean I think I think growing up in the hoods I grew up in in Chicago prepared me to live in any hood mm. you know what I'm saying like I th I feel like it's and I and I usually like cuz I'm I'm really comfortable in hoods so like I I tend to like especially if I move to a place that's where I want to live I want to live like with my folks you know what I'm saying and, right. and that's typically like in a hood like and I feel like it's mostly the same, man. I feel like it's mostly the same. I feel like really the main rule is at least what I've seen in the last 30 years, because it might not have been like this before, is that for the most part, if you not trying to be in that shit, they not really fucking with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? I right. think there might have been a time in like the early 90s, mid 90s, when it was more just open warfare. And as soon as you set foot on the block, it was on. You're like, getting pressed. Yeah, like you, if, even if you ain't from somewhere, you got to claim you from somewhere or else like you a neutron and that's not even good. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, um, I feel like for the most part, if you ain't about that, you all right. And mm -hmm. if you're trying to be about that, it'll come to your door. Right. But, you know what I'm saying? Like it, most... I feel like it's 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 mostly chill now. It's mostly families. It's mostly people trying to live their life from day to day. And yep, yeah, you know, shit happens and people get caught up in it. But you know, I, I feel like the politics now are only important if you're trying to play the politics. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel like you being? Because you know, obviously, you have a, a rap style that's very different from what a lot of these kids are listening to. Ooh. However, you're not pretentious at right. all. You're able to meet people on their level. You're super down to earth. You could interact with pretty much anybody. And that's not just these, you know, collegiate, yeah. you know, um, you know, super brainy people. You're able to chill with. Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I live in Inglewood, man. Right. Like, <laughs> you know right. Like, right. Yeah. Is it, do you feel like that's kind of a, do you try, do you feel like the people that need a lot of the messages you have to kick, is, sometimes it's often lost on them? A hundred percent. Um. I had a song and one uh, a line in one of my old songs. Um, you know, I'm trying to reach black people in a room full of whites. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like that is my existence, man. You know, I, I feel like, and and more and more, like there are more people of color coming to my shows, um, which is great. But I feel like the main problem is culturally the way a lot of my people receive music is through the biggest channels mm. you know it's through radio it used to be through music videos like now it's through like you know the marketing channels that uh, through the no jumpers yeah yeah and 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 i would say even more like the cosine system mm -hmm. which is completely major label dominated you know yeah, what i'm absolutely. saying like uh and and that's the way that my people hear stuff and i can't 
like all I can do is make my music and put it out the way I know how to do it. And when I have resources, I try to get more attention on stuff. But it's still like like my biggest, the biggest way I reach people is through music writers. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it ain't a bunch of fucking black people checking out Pitchfork's new releases. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's some, but that's not like culturally, that's not the dominating way we hear stuff. And, and if it is like, and if it is black folks, it might not necessarily be the ones that are in the trenches like yeah, that. You know 100%. what I mean? Like, and and so like, you know, I. That's that's really another thing that I miss about not having a weekly project blow. Mm-hmm. And even though like everybody there wasn't super hood, it's in the hood and you'd get people to come and check it out. And even if you know, even if the style of music that we doing isn't changing their life, they just see options. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, like cuz I I used to like all every job I had before I started doing music full time, I was working with young kids in bad situations to some degree. You know what I'm saying? And one thing I learned coming out of all of them jobs, like working in halfway houses, working in schools and hoods, like, you know, I taught special ed for a minute. Like, the most important thing you can do in that environment is role model different behavior that they haven't seen. Mm. That's the most important. Like you can tell them what to do until you blew in the face. What they actually pay attention to is what you do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like absolutely. If one of the kids say something crazy to you, do you fly off the handle? Do you speak to them with patience? Do you try to follow whatever behavioral program y'all have? Do you take it personal? Do you get emotional? Like that's what they're paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And if you are in there, like being yourself and offering them options, that's the most valuable thing that you could do. Wow. And it's crazy because I remember around the f- time that I first was be- coming around you and meeting you and stuff, uh, You, I thought you actually dressed the way that you were showing up. But like, mm-hmm. no, nah, you were like coming straight from teaching straight gigs from and shit. Yeah. yeah. So you had work. like, you weren't. Button up on maybe. You know what yeah, saying? you weren't like, dressed yeah. like a rapper. Right. I thought you were making a fashion statement because oh, it geez. wasn't even like that. I mean, well, one thing I didn't know how to dress. That's one <laughs> thing. Like I, I had, you know, I had a little journey with that. And then the other thing is, yeah, I, I used to have to try to wear stuff that could work in the classroom or in whatever, you know, job I was working in and also, you know, kind of work on stage maybe. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I didn't have, I didn't have time to go change and shit, you know. No, it's just really interesting to see. Um, and, like, I know you said you don't have much time today, so I don't want to uh, keep you for too long, but a few other things I wanted to yeah, touch for on. Sure. Um, first and foremost, you know, you um, coming from that Project Blow scene, mm-hmm. coming from the scene that we came from, mm-hmm. there's been some examples of people that really made it and impacted on, like, a superstar level and transcended in a lot of different ways, yep. you know? And I'm talking about, like, Anderson Pack. Yes. I'm talking about um, Flying Lotus. Yep. I'm talking about Doja Cat. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't really... No, you, Dumbfounded, uh, All City Gym, I don't right. think people realize... That, 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 that there's a central kind of scene that, yeah. that it all came from. Yeah. yeah. They don't. And y'all really... Each and every one of y'all in different ways are really like a perfect representation yeah. <laughs> of coming from that environment. Yeah, it's a weird place, man. And all styles were welcome and all styles were supported as long as it was dope and true. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's reflected in in, in all these different styles. And then like, I think the thing that's really unifying 
is that everybody is really good at what they do. Yeah. Like that's the thing. That's that's the one thing the blow that whole scene wouldn't let you be is whack. Please pass the mic. Right. Yeah. They wouldn't let you be like, you know, you and you keep coming back until you figure your shit out. And then once you figure it out, you're good. Once you can hold your own in that cipher, you're good. You know what I'm saying? But like that's <sighs> And they want you to be yourself, whether you a Pigeon John or a Two Max or, you know what I mean? Like, a bus driver, driver. subtitle, like, yeah, exactly. Like, be weird. Do you? Like, ain't nobody, you know what I'm saying? Like, the only thing anybody was concerned with was whether or not you could rap. You know what I'm saying? That's the only thing anybody ever gave a shit about was whether or not you could rap. And you can flip whatever style you want. Whatever style. One of the themes that... Um, you had a whole, actually a whole album about it a couple of years ago. You were t- you're very vulnerable in a lot of your music. Mm-hmm. I mean, in all your music, you were talking about uh, divorce, yeah. and which resonates with me because I got a divorce a few years back mm. and um, followed that up with a lengthy relationship, which unfortunately deteriorated mm. some months back, and been kind of having a difficult time coming to terms with Oof. how how therapeutic was the, you you know you channeling that energy into your music and being so man butt naked about it all uh you know it's so funny man because i just put out an album that's like the complete antithesis of that right because of how hard it was to make that music and put it out like the whole journey from even making it was i was going through all that shit and sitting with my therapist and my therapist having to tell me like yo when this is a white lady so she didn't say yo but (laughs) (laughs) but um she's like do you know how lucky you are that you have an outlet mm. where you can use words to paint whatever picture you want to paint. Like my biggest problem as an emotional being is I have a really hard time processing my feelings. Like I'll just sit on them. I'll just tuck them away. I'll just, and then they just bubble up. And But like I have a medium, I have an outlet and I can use it to help me process what I'm going through. And that was like this revelation for me because I never really used my music like that. Like mm-hmm. I could be honest or truthful, but not really like vulnerable emotionally in my music. I never did that. And so when I made them songs, them songs helped me so much. Writing them songs, recording them songs, hearing them songs back, oh, it helped me so much. But putting them out, that shit was weird, man. Like that shit was weird. It's like taking a shower in front of the entire world, yo, right? Like, and yeah. then like and then like charging people for it. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like and then you know having to promote it. Like that was really the weirdest part, I think. You know, social media era. We make some shit. You know, especially if you indie, it's on us to let people know about it as many ways as often as possible. And I made that shit. And like, you know, having to promote singles, promote articles written about it, promote, we didn't, it wasn't no tour dates, but I did a release party and like all of this shit were like, you got to have a certain amount of distance from this work, I feel like, to, mm. to keep being okay with pushing it out like a product because this didn't feel like a product to me. It felt a little too close to being the actual essence of who I am and what I was going through. So I felt so weird. Hey, buy this shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Hey, there's a limited edition records. Come get them. Like, it's because it wasn't, 
it wasn't that kind of project. You know, I'm reading reviews, cross-eyed mad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I put out albums. It's like my that was like my sixth album. Like I'd been through that shit. Like I already have the distance from that. Right. Like, it's not fucking with my world. By the time you're, you're mixing and mastering and all that shit. Yeah. yeah. And like so so but for that album, like if somebody has something to say about it, it didn't feel like they were saying something about a product. It felt like they were saying something about me. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't deal with that shit. Like Well, it's always difficult to remove yourself from your mm-hmm. art in that yeah. regard. But I'm curious, like if it that was um how it was received by your ex um i mean i had to talk her through it like yeah. on the on way before it was done yeah you know w- while while we were making it we were like going through couples therapy you know what i'm saying while making this stuff like um i had to make a couple of decisions very early on like i'm not going to tell the story of what happened here right I'm just going to be talking about my feelings about things. And I think that kind of gave me the room where I didn't have to worry about like dragging her through the mud or, you know what I'm saying? Not that there's anything even, even to drag her through the mud. No, before, it, it could be perceived that way. If right. You're, yeah. The perception of it. Because you know you're, you know, you're ultimately, we're only hearing one side only of the story. One side. Exactly. And, and even I'm, if there's records already, where you're putting yourself in her position, it's still your interpretation right. of that. And I'm already the public figure in yeah. the relationship. So yeah. like it's it's all weighted different anyway. You know what I'm saying? So I had to have a lot of conversations with her about, yeah, it's called this. Yeah, I'm not saying nothing personal in it. Yeah, I can send it to you ahead of time if you want. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that shit. Because yeah, her comfort with it was very important to me too. Because I didn't want it to be like, I didn't want people looking at her weird based on nothing I said. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Well, and, and I think obviously she was with you, so she knows you, this is how you channel your creativity, right. and she obviously, you know, at least had some level of appreciation. Yeah, yeah you sure. know what I mean. For sure. Of how you got down, but so you say your your newest project is the polar opposite. Yeah, man, I put my armor all the way back on. You know what I'm saying, and I'm just rhyming and having fun, and 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 you know, trying to just make the music that make the kind of music. The sp- like spiritually the kind of music that really always made me love hip hop and that was never really nobody telling all their business that was never really the thing for right. me like it was people being very creative and, and making songs that had impact and beats that had impact like, some native tongues type vibe. yeah native tongues shit like you know um, Diamond D who I have some I had some beats from him on the album like Lord Finesse is literally like one of my heroes you know what I'm saying but like that shit like literally digging in the crates punchline rap yeah. like Big L AG like that shit is incredibly important to me and I felt like I got into a place where if you listen to my music you wouldn't even know that right so I really wanted to turn all that around I really wanted to focus on my influences in that way and kind of like big up all of the music that I love the rappers that I love the producers that I love like and and it's a much more enjoyable process. Than, uh, you know what I'm saying? To be talking about my feelings and shit. I, I I'd like to hazard a guess and say you're still being more vulnerable than you even realize just by proxy because of just the nature of how honest you are as an 100%. artist. So it's probably still. I mean, you know. and, and you're absolutely right. And I think that's something I might have lost sight of too. Yeah. That like just the fact of me being the person writing the punchline means it's gonna be a little more, it's gonna come from a different angle than you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, Drake writing a punchline. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to it's gonna have a little more, it's going to be a more a more personal statement because it's me making it, and those are my values. Even though you're still approaching it from, like, a superhuman, like, superhero MC level. Trying, so, trying yeah. to, and, try, and yeah. trying to understand that I 
like that the craft of rapping is that important to me. You know what I'm saying? Really yeah. wanting people to know that. Like, no, nah, I do this. Like I'll I'll rap in your face on the street for hours. And I want yeah. you to I want you to hear a little bit of that in this music. Sounds awesome, and I'm you know I'm, I'm a huge fan of your music. Um, Appreciate you. I'm very man. grateful to be the homie uh, homie of you as well. Now you do so much other stuff mm-hmm. outside of rapping, from your podcasting, which is going crazy, to um, your comedy, to just intellectual workshops and all that. Like, what what's the focus looking like for you know going into 2023? Man, um, is it difficult to find that balance between all your pursuits? I tell you this. In the past, it hasn't been because typically I'll make some music and then I'll like try to do some other shit to try to like um, keep myself in balance that way. Like I got a pretty big TV thing coming up that I can't really get into detail of. Let's go. Um, it's pretty dope. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to make an announcement about that in January. But like uniquely coming off of this album damn, I want to make some more music, like, right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's, like, one of the few times where I'm like, fuck, okay, I got to figure out how I'm going to do both of these because, like, career-wise, financially, like, you know what I'm saying, the TV shit is always, like, uh, it's knocking everything else out the box. Yeah. But, like, the spiritual place, the emotional place that I got into making this last album and seeing how I got received... It makes me want to lean into that more. It's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta make sure there's room for both of these. You know right. What I'm saying? And I was having a conversation with our with our brother Satire mm-hmm. about the same thing the other day, and just kind of finding a balance yep. between the different pursuits. But at the end of the day, you're a creative entity, and you just every- I, I gotta be to eat. <laughs> and, and you eating, you yep. eating. I'm, you know, I'm seven I'm doing courses right. in this motherfucker. I'm doing all right, man. I, I could do better, and I'm trying to do better. You know what I'm saying? Well, hopefully, this is introducing a different audience for. And I, and I appreciate you having me because of that. You know I, I encourage all y'all, you know, that might not be familiar with. I, I know a lot of y'all are, but those of you that aren't, look into this guy. You won't yeah, be disappointed. Maybe, maybe you heard something ten years ago. I'd say definitely dip back into the last couple of projects and see if there's something on there that strikes your fancy. <laughs> with that being said. Any final thoughts? Um, I'm I'm happy that y'all have the space, man. These type of discussions, like you said, as a podcaster, man, I just know how valuable it is to have artists, um, you know, for them to have the capability to tell their own story and write their own narrative, man. So I really appreciate you. You know, what I'm saying you having this and you having me on, man. Anytime, like there's so many different directions we could have gone with for this sure. conversation. We gotta, we gotta like, come back. Yeah, we gonna have to do a part two and all that. <laughs> we gotta but, go back, man. And, and check out uh, uh, Open Mike's podcast. Uh, what it happened was, mm-hmm. I believe, is what it's yep. called, which is fire. I appreciate. And he that, delves man. really deep into a lot of cool uh, topics with some of the most interesting people in the culture and beyond. So, I appreciate it. with that being said, play upon the Lush Uno, OME, and we about this beyond, y'all. This beyond.